Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hi, beautiful humans. Welcome to episode 43 of Croversation. Took a little gap there, guys. <laughs> Just a little one. I don't really know how much time has passed, if I'm being totally honest. It's been two weeks, three weeks. I'm sorry. Um, but, but mad shit has been going on friends okay i this uh, <laughs> i don't know what it is about my life but there's always something going on that is not an exaggeration i i mean it's never boring so that's fine um uh, but it's all i uh, i mean it's overall positive things that will be happening the things that happened in the past are very bad and and that's where the positive things are happening now so i just got to get through it i just got to get through it don't have any feels is that right <laughs> anyway this week's guest is a super super awesome human being she is um she's such an interesting human. Our, our conversation was quite long, I think. It was so lovely and so relaxing. And I always say this about my guests, but I feel like we're such similar human beings. And she is such a good human being. She has been through stuff, you guys. <laughs> she is a fighter. And she's got some really, really, really great explanations for so many topics that we discuss in this episode. And you are going to enjoy it thoroughly. Thoroughly. This week's guest is the awesome QB. She and I met quite some years ago, you know, when I was still throwing events. Suicide girl events. That's how we met. Good old SG. And, um... Yeah, well, we've always had snippets of conversations, but it's always been in, like, clubs or bars, and I've always been, like, nodding along furiously, but also trying to make out what people are saying over the yelling of the music and the people and the, the things and the, you know, all that usual stuff. <laughs> so it was so good to sit down with her and have, like, a proper chat about some of the topics that we touched on briefly in person and go really in-depth to a lot of them and really mine out her brain. I feel like QB came across so authentically here that you are going to get such an amazing impression of her on who she is as a person just through this episode. Like, it's this is a, a, a 
next book excellent episode of or at least of a podcast <laughs> i don't know what word i was gonna use there anyway that's enough waffling from me i guess i've missed the sound of my own voice clearly <laughs> Um, if you would like to find me on social media friends, you may find me on Instagram at Riots and Crows, R-I-O-T-S-A-N-D-C-R-O-W-S. And then you can find me everywhere else on the internet at Cats and Crows, K-A-T-S-A-N-D-C-R-O-W-S. I'm going to go back to, uh, back to Twitter, arguing with a bunch of transphobes etc here oh i would like to pop a few trigger warnings as well um just off the top of my head in this episode for discussions of mental health um for discussions of self-harm discussions of suicide um and other surrounding topics in um mental health um it's nothing graphic nothing deep but just in case you're having a a, a, a you know one of those days a precarious day <laughs> and you should be kind to your mind that's what I'm trying to say, friends. If you'd like to leave me a little rating and a review as well, that would be really nice of you because I need some encouragement to get back in the saddle and get riding this podcast off into the sunset again. Or not today because fucking hell, it's miserable in England. The great British summer is upon us, friends. <laughs> All right, beautiful humans. <laughs> Please enjoy the amazing QB on episode 43 of Crovisation. When I was growing up, all my role models were male. I didn't see anyone I could relate to in the press, online, anywhere. Now, I'm surrounded with the most phenomenal women. They've each endured unique hardships and survived. More than survived, they thrive. But still, women are not equal in the world, not represented in the media, not treated equally online, and still subjected to sexism in everyday life. Alternative women especially are more a hashtag than they are real humans. I want to change that. I want you to see the women I see. I want you to hear them. This is Crovisation. Hi, beautiful humans. I'm with a beautiful aesthetic. I'm staring right now at a beautifully <laughs> blue-toned aesthetic, and it's so soothing to my eyes. Please welcome my beautiful guest this week, QB. Boop, boop, hee, hee, Hi, here I Celine. am. <laughs> How are you? How are you? Because we're recording today, 3rd of yep. July, late-stage global pandemic, perhaps. Lots has happened. How are you feeling right now? Um... I guess for the sake of like complete honesty, um, there is a lot going on. Like, yes, there is a global pandemic. So Working full time, two kids, my mum, you know, sickly members of my family. And, it, and it's a lot. That's a lot. Actually, yes. God it's, damn. It's a lot of stuff. <sighs> I've spoken to uh, another mother who's been on lockdown, my friend, uh, Jessie. But she only has one young kid. I can't imagine what it must be like to have two kids and to be caring for your mum too. Yeah. Girl, how are you, how are you managing that? Like, tell me, <laughs> literally how. You know what? It, it's really <laughs> funny. I was talking about this yesterday because um, my son has actually spent the whole of lockdown with his dad. 
um, because his nan isn't well. So he's stayed there to shield, but to also be with his nan while he's not well. Um, I guess it's strange for me, right? Because I've got teenagers. So I've got a 16-year-old and a 13-year-old. So most of the time, they don't want to talk to me anyway. They're chill. (laughs) They're just in their rooms on the internet arguing with people that are trying to destroy the world that they're growing up in. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, you know, I, I think it's, it's been a weird one because like my daughter is all about the social media and obviously like for my job, I work with young people. So I'm like, you're not allowed TikTok. You're not allowed Snapchat. And I'm the devil. in <laughs> <laughs> QB, for those of um, those people that are listening that haven't met you in person and had a fascinating conversation with you, like I have had the privilege of. Can you introduce yourself and give us a little rundown of what you do? I know you work with kids and you're very sex positive and, and I love all that. And we were going to collaborate on something at some point and it never happened. Yes, yes. Um, okay, so a bit of background about me. I am 35 years old and I work with children and young people. I have primarily worked for charities. And it's, it's really interesting that you say that... Um, I'm sex positive because I started in the realm of like youth work by being a sexual health peer educator. Ah. What I did was I went into schools and I talked about sex and relationships, the laws surrounding sex. um, And I guess my job has really coloured the way I think about things because I started that job when I was quite young. Yeah. So, yeah. Wow, that's really interesting. How how young were you when you started going into schools and talking about sex and stuff? So I was 23, but I already had two kids at that point. And I, I am a teenage mum, or I was a teenage mum, whatever the sex <laughs> is. Um, and I found this charity completely by accident. And I actually went there as a young parent for parenting courses because when you're a teenager they send you in that direction they're like well you're young so you have to do parenting classes to know what you're doing clearly have no idea what you're doing yeah yeah thanks guys Um, and and through that they were like oh you know we have this other program where we're training up peer educators if you'd like to you know get involved with that and I did um and the rest is history that's awesome I mean that's awesome that you took from what could have been quite a begrudging experience and you've taken something and you've made it into your life. Yeah, no, I mean, I completely hated the parenting group. I went to yeah. <laughs> Tell me about how that made you feel, that they made you go there. Because to um, me, I'd be like, why are you telling me what to do? I think at that age, you know, I was, I was 17. Yeah. So that really should have been the age where I, I, I should probably have thought, oh, you know what, this is community. Let me you know let me revel in the fact that there are other people in the same situation Mm. as me but you know it feels like a whole other world ago if I was 18 now and that was a situation I would have been like oh my god there's so many people that have so much in common with me instead all I felt was the stigma and I hated it really yeah I mean like even um what do they call them prenatal classes yeah. were horrendous um because you know I went with my mom and then there were other people who were like you know I'm in my 40s this is my third baby this is my husband and wow, I'm like such um, contrast yeah so I'm here pretty much on my own here's my mom but you know I'm 17 it's the first time I've done this yeah um, and you felt I feel really uncomfortable <laughs> damn I can't I mean I can't even imagine what that would feel like but yeah that must have been quite a character building experience Absolutely. I yeah. thought I was prepared. I thought I knew what I was doing, but 
life taught me differently. Life does that, right? <laughs> oh, yeah, you know, life fucks us all. <gasps> wow. So that must have been, I mean, like, did you continue working through like your pregnancy and having a young child or did you take a pause for a while? Like, let's get along that timeline. Okay. So when I was pregnant with my son, I was mm. doing my A-levels. Um, and it's really interesting because when I, before I got pregnant, I was quote unquote rebelling, bunking off school, you know, all that kind of stuff. Get it. And, um, and everyone was like, you're going to fail. You really need to pull your finger out. Like, come and do what you've got to do you need you know you need to pass your a-levels and then when I got pregnant everyone was like you know what you're pregnant it's fine if you don't pass and me like my thinking was like wait hold on a minute you used to care and now you don't care and you all think I'm gonna fail so like fuck every single one of you I'm gonna pass now yeah (laughs) Um, so I was I was really lucky I, I you know when I got like my grades for like the first year of college I got mm. a D and E and a U so I didn't even write for a grade <laughs> um and then I did my A-level exams three weeks before I had my son wow stress. and I got and I ended up with an A, B and a C yes queen so, so that's my 16 year old now and then um with my 13 year old I was pregnant all through the second year of uni mm. Um, had my daughter and then I was back at uni three weeks later really you really don't yeah, my, stop do you my mum would drive the car to uni and I would breastfeed in the car during like breaks and stuff oh my gosh <laughs> what an angel has your mum always been supportive that must, yes have been, that must have been quite a big wave through your family was that I mean that that so for those of you because I guess you're just hearing my voice um so yeah. for those of you who don't know me I'm I'm a mixed ethnic background um and my mum is from the Philippines which is a, you know in the part that we're from is a very strictly catholic part so you right. know there was a whole dealing with sex before marriage yep out of you know doing things out of wedlock and and refusing to get married once you know they, once wow. we knew I was pregnant I was like Proper nope I'm not getting married yeah. I'm not doing that. um so you know my mom probably really struggled with that but I guess again you know because of my cultural background um it was it was never a question that I was whether I was going to finish school or not mm. it was so, happening yeah so yeah. my mom was like you know if you if you do your degree if you finish your degree whatever I will help you do that that's awesome yeah I feel like that could, I mean, it could have been a lot worse. I mean, not to diminish your experience anyway, but that's, that's fucking awesome about it. Yeah, I think it, I actually, I suffered with postnatal depression with my, with my first child, with my son. Um, and it is one of those things is, it's really difficult to balance like mental health and your drive. Yeah. Because on one hand, you know, you have all these feelings that, you know, tell you you're inadequate or you're feeling low or whatever what have you mm. and then there's also this you know what let me let me talk about my personal experience there's something about me yeah that really wants to like stick my middle finger up and be like fuck every fuck. single one of yeah. you that doesn't think I can do this because I'm gonna make relate. it work <laughs> so hard so hard to relate good I'm, I can see that character in you now I really can Thank was your you. was your mom like a rebellious 
younger person, do you think? Or is she rebellious in any way? Because I can totally trace my rebellion or rebelliousness back to my parents. Yeah, so, um, I mean, my mum was born during the Second World War. So my mum is like an older parent. Mm -hmm. Um, And when she was back home in the Philippines, you know, she, she didn't put a foot out of line. She, she did what people told her to. She did what was expected of her. Mm. But when she decided to emigrate, um, she literally picked a country where we have no other family. So wow. all of our families, like in the States, we have a lot of family in Hawaii. Yeah. In, in Hawaii. Um, and my mum was like, I'm going to England where no one can tell me what to do. Wow. Okay. I, I see the rebelliousness. <laughs> yeah. So she's definitely, definitely rebellious in her own way. Although, you know, that wasn't until her like late thirties, but she mm. was just like, I've had enough. I'm leaving. Oh, wow. <laughs> so def- defiant is the word that comes to mind, I guess. Yeah. When I think about you and your brother now. Wow. That's awesome. Um, so- uh, yeah. And my mom's a really cool chick actually, you know, cause she, she was yeah. a single mom as well. So. Um, oh, I see. Yeah, I was going to say, how did awesome. that relationship develop? Like, from being a child to being a mother yourself and then have a relationship with your mother? Um, it, it really opens your eyes to the struggle your parents had. Yeah. That you didn't necessarily, like, because when you're a child, you're selfish. Yeah. In, you know, in the sense that, you know, you're not aware of what's going on around you. You kind of take your own experience for, for golden so it's like you know my mum worked really really hard she used to work like 42 hour weeks damn and like that. yeah and and like crazy. now and i and i work full time um but i've had so much help and she really didn't and i'm mm. just like i actually don't physically know how you did this yeah i mean it sounds remarkable it sounds so inspirational a single mother moving to a country um, where it's not her cultural norm or she doesn't even have any relatives or friends or know anyone. Yeah. I mean, like, way to make your life super hard, but also, yeah. I'm like, uh, uh, speechless with admiration. That's amazing. Yeah. I, I mean, it's really hilarious because um, when she retired, she tried to go back home. Did she? Um, and she didn't last very long. She was just <laughs> like, I can't be here because people still want to know where I'm going, what I'm doing. Oh, really? And, and she came back. <laughs> She was like, I've been gone for 25 years and still. Can't do this. Really? That's awesome. I love that. I love that she's being so true and authentic to yourself, to herself even. Yeah. yeah, Do you think that you're true and authentic to yourself? Do you think that's something she's Uh, passed on? I think it took me a while to figure out who I was Mm. and how to live that authentically. Um, so for example, you know, when you said to me, how are you? Um, I made a pledge to myself a couple of, maybe almost a decade ago. Yeah. Almost a decade ago. Um, that like, so I, I was diagnosed with bipolar two. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, there's that saying, like when people say, how are you? They're just expecting you to go, oh, I'm all right. So like a, yeah. a, a little while ago, I was like, you know what, I'm going to live true to myself. And when people ask me questions, I'm going to be brutally honest. And if they, d- if it makes them uncomfortable when I'm talking about my experience, yep. that that's something I have to learn to mm. live with. And that's something on, that's on them. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And even, you know, like dyeing my hair, for example, like there aren't, I, I think it's becoming more popular now, but like 
people from the Philippines, Southeast Asian people, Asian people, like mm. breaking out of of what is expected of you. Yeah. Like familial duty is such a, a huge thing. Um, my mum always used to like obviously I'm tattooed um, and my mum's like you know the only people back home who have those tattoos are you know criminals and oh. prostitutes and you know you're just like oh, oh that's wow so many things I'm not a yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just like, ah. oh my god I can't even cope when which is hilarious because yeah. before we were colonized by the Spanish and the Portuguese in the Philippines we were actually called the island of the painted ones Oh my because goodness. we have a really rich history in tattooing mm. like our, our tattoo culture yep. was strong so it's really strange that people think that when you start to break into this quote-unquote alternative world completely whitewashed completely whitewashed and they refuse to even admit they have a problem with it it drives me insane yeah mm. yeah so breaking out of your family norms that must have been a tough journey for you to people listening now that are probably going through the same thing mm. do you have any advice for them um i think you kind of have to weigh up what is going to bring you joy and if you feel that living your true authentic self will bring you joy then you know you only you can decide if that's a path you want to follow um and i'm not saying that it will bring you joy a hundred percent of the time um but you will feel so much better for being your authentic self when you are ready and choose to make those kinds of steps i really like that <laughs> how, long did, how long did it take you to figure that out like honestly because i only just figured it out pretty much this year to be authentic to myself um well I'm really pro therapy. Oh and my gosh! It, 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 yeah, and it just so happens that my best friend is a therapist, even awesome. though we don't break those ethical kind of guidelines about of her giving me therapy. So, um, I guess when I chose to take medication for my mental health, mm. um, it was I, I was quite lucky because I pushed, you know, with the NHS and everything to do therapy and take medication at the same time. So I would say, I would say it's been about, yeah, it's probably been about 10 years. Um, and, it, and it involves a lot of like self-work, a lot of spending time being really vulnerable, yep. a lot of time being introspective. Sitting um, in your head, right? Yeah, That's where the work has to happen. Understanding where you're at and then becoming comfortable with it mm. but I would say even though I'm aware of it I'm not comfortable with it all the time same <laughs> I mean it's so it's so easy to get swept up in just anything in in the world isn't it I think people were really critical on themselves for being not their author it's almost in the same way the self-care movement was a bit weaponized it was like you should mm. love yourself the way you are it's like mm. you should yeah you should you should be authentic to yourself all the time. And it's like, sometimes I don't know and it's okay to not know, Yeah, you yeah. know? And I think the self-care movement, like you said, it has been weaponized. It's also been very like whitewashed, but it's also been yeah. very middle and upper classed. So know? much. Financially pricing out people. People can't afford to have bubble baths and go to the spa all the time. 
yeah and also for me like yoga isn't uh, is an asian like a part of like religion and stuff like that i'm not necessarily sure how i feel about not having an asian person teach me it's so weird there's a yoga yoga studio near me that's run by all white women and i'm not gonna i don't know anything about them i don't know anything about them but it it feels weird it just feels weird Mm -hmm. it doesn't feel right It's, it's like it's a full, like if there was a, a physical metaphor for appropriation, that's it. You yeah. see? And people, yeah. and the fact that people don't see that's when it's so blatant. It's like, we're no. teaching this, but we're definitely white women. It's, it's scary that people can't see them. Yeah. And, and like you said, you know, the amount it costs to take part in certain forms of self-care. It's like, you know, you can have a bubble bath with like, avon stuff or like whatever mm. kind of makes you happy it doesn't have to be this really expensive stuff yeah exactly. um and if you choose to meditate you don't need to be paying for all this for a 20 pound every month yeah yeah it's a bit insane to me and i also think you know self-care isn't necessarily just yes it's really nice to pamper yourself but that's not the only type of self-care that exists 100%. you know read a book sleep like sleep is all healing rest oh yeah yeah if if you can and then also trying to live with like the <laughs> guilt of taking time for yourself how dare you how dare you do something that doesn't such a earn you money in capitalism all time yeah yeah so what's your relationship with self-care qb because i i i've developed a very heavy one with my self-care to manage my mental health um and i imagine you must be the same you know what, I'll actually put my hands up and say I'm really bad at self-care. Oh, really? Yeah. Why do you think that um, is? Okay, so my mum taught me as a child that, like, as a mum, you give everything to your children. Mm. And when you're at work, that's your me time because that's when you get to be an adult. And then when you come <gasps> home and the door shuts, you have to be a mum. Your mum again, yeah. Yeah. I mean, she's always that little voice in my head, whether it's good or bad she's imprinted parents are imprinted right Mm -hmm. yeah so you know you spend the whole day at work and and I work with people so I spend most of the day talking or like taking on other people's feelings Mm. and then I get home and then homework dinner etc etc and then when it's time for bed or when it's time for the kids go to bed yeah I am shattered yeah you're already like yeah and so, and that's like sleep is one of my favorites because it's like a reset. Yeah, I mean you definitely need it. It's one of the ones that creates the most health problems, really, doesn't it? So yeah, at least you're prioritizing sleep, but nothing else. Um, I mean, I journal, so I'm right. I craft a journaling. lot. So I'm I'm currently in the middle of a renovation. So you're actually mm. in one of the new rooms of the house. This is what you can see. Oh, I love the, um, the color scheme. I'm here for thank it. Thank you so much. Can you tell I have a favorite color, guys? It's teal. <laughs> love teal. Um, so all my craft stuff is currently packed away, but I do like lots of junk journaling, sketching. Yeah. I'm not good at drawing, but you know it's fun. Don't have to be good at something to do it, right? You don't have to be good at it. I think that's um, really important. Yeah, so I've been painting lots of secondhand furniture because awesome. I am really big on, I guess, reduce, reuse, recycle. So important. It's a hugely impactful thing. 
yeah so yeah i like to paint furniture and do crafty bits so i would say that's carving a chunk of time yeah that i think self-care and being creative is such an underrated thing people i think everybody's so pushed to monetize everything that they do even if it's creative that they forget that they can also do it as self-care like i've started doing knife throwing and nice. yeah I know it's just like I was like sure I'm gonna knife throw during lockdown whatever <laughs> and I was thinking about adding it to my axe but like I also oh just God, find it sick. really therapeutic and I'm not sure if I yeah. want to add the stress of the work do you know what I mean yeah yeah like this is something you're doing just purely for me yeah oh come on internet for you why does it need to be to, for it to be a value yeah exactly it, it's it's a value to me because my mind afterwards is so ah, calm and wonderful and then I think if I add work into it because like as much as I love my job and it is my passion it's exhausting yeah. and, it, and, and, it, and I get sick of it and I don't ever want to get sick of knife throwing but maybe that's something that I'm overthinking maybe I will get sick of it anyway so maybe I should monetize it what well, I know that you're asking the questions, but I guess this is something <laughs> that, because the thing about your job yeah. with you being on social medias and, and stuff like that is your job must take more of your day so than much. even my job does because people, I go I to work and then when I leave, I'm done. Yeah. I can never shut the door on it. I'm sat right now. You see me, not you listeners, but you do see me in my, <laughs> in my office. And if I literally turn around, I can see my lounge. I can see my bedroom I can see my kitchen. Mm. Yeah, so I'm I'm in it all the time, especially during lockdown. Yeah. So yeah, it's been tricky. But you've been working at home in lockdown, I assume. Yeah. How's so, that been? Um, it's been really intense because um, as part of my job, what I'm doing are like phone one-to-ones with vulnerable children mm. um, and young people. Um, and, you know, whereas normally I might be in a school or at a youth centre, Um, and working with the group now I'm working with children and young people in a really intense way so Mm. I'm not a trained counsellor and I'm not a trained therapist but it's like weekly check-ins to see how you know how they're doing and and, you know I've, I've had to deal with things like you know one of my young people's grandparents died from covid oh so sad it's a tough yeah like as was a lot of that right now yeah and it's really hard to know what to say and and really you know you should spend more time listening than speaking and and sometimes they don't want to speak and being comfortable Mm. with being uncomfortable is is what I feel like that's one of the lessons I've learned during during lockdown yeah I always find it quite awkward I'm not a particularly like kid savvy person I don't know when at one at what point that happens but I just feel uncomfortable talking to kids like I feel like I never get myself across to them properly or whatever Hmm. so how did you how did how so firstly how did you discover that you wanted to work with what obviously that you went through um the the classes to young people how did you discover that you working with young people is your passion and how do you feel about it now so when I was a kid, I was already working with kids. So like at my church that I went to when I was, you know, younger, I would run like craft clubs for like the younger kids and really? stuff like that. But it was more like 
you know, over the summer holidays, we all get bored. What should we do? What doesn't cost very much? Right. Um, and then when I went and did this sexual health peer education program, mm. um, part of the program was that um, as part of your probation, I guess, you would go and teach a lesson in a school with 30 young people. Wow. And I was so nervous. I was shaking. I'd be petrified. <laughs> Um, and then I kind of went, and I guess this is a bit where like my, my drama training kind of came into it is like, mm. you put on the show, you fake it till you make it. Yep. Um, and it just so happened by complete accident that I was good at it. Amazing. And I loved it. Yeah. Um, you loved it straight away. Yeah. And I guess there's something really freeing when you spend all your day your whole day sorry can't even speak properly um, <laughs> when you spend your whole day talking about sex there's something very freeing in talking about such a taboo subject yeah and you get this like weird kind of feeling so like one of the lessons that we would do is teenage parents would talk about teenage pregnancy so I would tell my giving birth story wow and you know when you can see exactly and you can see Hell every child curly. clench and you're like I've done my job properly <laughs> amazing so what is your without without um breaching any confidentiality or vulnerable people's um privacy what does your job entail exactly um so my job now is Mm. i'm teaching resilience to children and young people through different programs um and you know what's been quite freeing about this job is like part of our job should we choose to because it's down to each facilitator Mm. is is to tell our story um and so like when i explain to young people that i suffer from bipolar disorder you know they're amazed by like little things like oh my god you have a job oh my god you're a parent Mm. um and you know it's always after i tell my story that two or three kids will you know hold back after session really and, and be like i'm really anxious i hate walking down the road by myself or you know and and they'll open up to you because they wow. see an adult who is living or has lived their experience and it makes them feel safe it there's hope um, yeah yeah um That's and i awesome. guess um I love that they feel like they can come and talk to me and I love that I feel like I'm making some sort of difference. Yeah, you really are. That's amazing. What a great feeling that must be. I mean, I would be absolutely petrified to go talk to kids in school, but to have a kid open up to you, that that must be, especially as a parent, you know how much, especially young people don't want to talk to adults. To be an adult that they feel that they can open up to on like a peer-to-peer level. Yeah. That's really uh, it, awesome. It, it's it's really amazing, and like the one thing I will say to anyone who's thinking about working with young people or mm. like with anyone really is um is to just be really authentic. Yeah, like I could see you in front of a group of young people. Really talking about yeah no and, and <laughs> but it's who you are intrinsically. I think it's like if you're if That's you a don't. Huge compliment. I've seen like people who come and talk to young people, and then all of a sudden, you know, they adopt like. I'm from East London. They adopt like this East London road accent, and you're just like the kids will see through that. Yeah, in like two seconds, and they will rip you apart for it. Kids are really, really like intuitive, and they are brutal, and they are truthful, 
And yeah, I think maybe that's what scares me about them. Yeah, but the, the thing about young people at the minute is like they've got access to so much information mm. and they're like things that we didn't figure out until our like 20s. Oh my God. You know, they're already <laughs> yeah. kind of like on it, like in terms of like are? activism and stuff. I really yeah. do. That's great. I really do. And there's so, there's like such a higher like level of like emotional intelligence with a lot of young people. That's awesome. So like, um, you know, we had a young person um come out and the group just embraced that person straight away and they were like we love you for who you are you know and you know like when i was younger i was i was petrified of like saying you know i'm in love with this woman yeah whereas they they just they state their truth and they embrace each other for it and i really really like appreciate that and it, it might be the microcosm of the area that i work in it might be london i'm, I'm mm, not sure but that is that is that is awesome like i i don't have any interactions with children so i couldn't gauge it i always want to hope and i always mm. want to think and when i make when i when i do my activism or do any activist kind of work i always hope i think about the younger generation and the generation that's going to come after me like i've been doing my job for 10 years now and I start mentoring people and I some of the stuff I do I do for them so yeah it's a really awesome feeling to to know that they really are taking what's at least some of us sorry there's a helicopter going over my house if you can hear it <laughs> it keeps happening I don't know why people must keep having parties in the field behind me or something oh wow I, I live in um I live in a great area of Kent so ignore ignore um what was I saying QB I've forgotten uh we were talking about I guess, breaking barriers for the people that will follow us. Yeah. People, um, when I do my activism work and stuff like that, when I do my activism work, I can't remember what I was going to say now, but, um, I hope it, I hope it helps the younger generation. And there's, it's a great feeling knowing that they are doing that and running with that. And I suppose. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. So do you think, what do you, what do you think of, this is going to make me sound like an old person, the youth of today. <laughs> <laughs> the youth of today yeah um i have so much hope yeah actually i, I it, it's kind of like a, a two-level thing like on one hand i have so much hope in the sense that you know they are so much more aware than us they care about things um you know like the environment black lives matter like that's been a big conversation i've been having with young people this week that's great um the lgbtq plus community and you know for a lot of the young people that i work with they're like what can i do how can i help um and then on the flip side i guess they're inheriting what we leave them which can be seen in good ways and bad ways it seems so scary yeah even inheriting the world that we've inherited from our parents i'm like oh thanks guys for that yeah i can only imagine how they feel yeah and I, i think as things become clearer and as we have access to more information and learning Mm. um i hope that young people want to create change i hope they make ripples i hope they break glass ceilings and stuff like that um because you know my work 10 years ago for example is i was working with young people um who were vulnerable Mm. um 
and they were angry, but they didn't understand why they were angry. Right. You know, they didn't have access or an understanding. That kind of... So like, you know, like capitalism and things like that, whereas Mm -hmm. now we can say like, we are angry or we are being screwed over because capitalism. We figured out what the fuck you guys are doing and yeah, yeah, it's fucked up. That's awesome. I didn't think about it in that way. I suppose the access to information has really come on in the last 10 years or so, hasn't it? I, didn't, I don't think I had a smartphone when I was in school. No, I didn't. No, I, I didn't. And I'm older than you. <laughs> <laughs> I think I had a slide phone. What, one of the, what, did, what did you have? Did you have oh a phone? Oh my God, yeah. The, the, okay, so my first phone, anyone who is an old head will know the Nokia <laughs> banana phone. Oh, and it like, looked like oh, a phone and this, the bottom bit would slide down and there were the buttons. Yeah, Jeez. I think my dad had one. <laughs> I think, oh, they gave it, I think they gave it to me. That makes me feel really old. You're not old at all. You're just ahead of your time, Kimi. Yes, yes. She's that is tech, what I am. Tech savvy woman making her way through the world. <laughs> yeah, OT Genie. Do you know what that is? Oh, I've heard of those. I've heard those words, but I don't know what it is. It was just like a pay-as-you-go SIM card. Yeah, and yeah. Texting was just free. Really? Free texting? My yeah. texts were like 7p for a text or like 3p or something like that. Even then it was yeah, outrageous. Yeah, they cracked down on it after a while. Mm. Like when they realised people were making use of the text, they were like, you only get 300 free a month now. Oh, out of order. I need at least a thousand. Some kids are not going to yeah. know what we're talking about. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Oh, isn't that terrifying? Oh. 900 minutes, 3,000 um, texts. <laughs> maybe we should bring it back to like childhood Bring it stuff. back. Bring yeah. it back. Um, like... For, so for example microaggressions mm. like when i was a teenager mm. you know i didn't really know what a microaggression was and i spent a lot of time feeling really uncomfortable and unsafe yeah. in in places where i i didn't feel i could say you know this is making me uncomfortable can we please stop having this conversation yeah yeah whereas i feel like or i would hope because i can't speak for every single young person i would i would hope that they if they see it they could they could call it out. Mm. Um, they're more kind of validated. They're more, um, I guess, when you see more instances of it and people share their experience, then people are like, oh, you know what? What that person did was racist or it was sexist. Or yeah. It was just, I didn't know it at the time, but having access to the shared human experience online, mm. I think has been a huge eye opener. It's definitely something that's contributed to me being able to identify as like a femme, non-binary person, etc. Like I, I Googled that. I was like, can I identify? Yeah. As a, and, and Google is a great resource. And I think I'm really glad that kids are using it because I know a lot of adults are not. <laughs> yeah, you just wish. It's the people that you wish would use it. Mm. <laughs> I, like, can you please just use this amazing invention? Uh, when was Google invented? When we were kids, right? Goddamn. Not when I was a kid. Maybe when mm. you were a kid. <laughs> I, think, I think when I was about eight, maybe. I can't remember. It was a long time ago. Let's not talk about our childhoods. Yeah, it's just really <laughs> awkward and kind of upsetting. <laughs> literally history. <laughs> so, QB, talk to me about the kind of conversations that you have with your kids. Because your job and your work and your mm. life must have had a big impact on your parenting. Absolutely. So, you know, I'm of mixed cultural heritage, like Mm. I said. So um, my dad is um, Indian, he's Tamil, and my mum is from the Philippines. And, you know, my son is half white British. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, from a very young age, I was making him aware of his 
white privilege because colorism is so huge in Southeast Asian communities and, and South Asian communities. Actually, I should blanket that probably. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so talking about his white privilege, talking about his male privilege. Mm-hmm. Um, and I definitely think, you know, for some of like my more old school friends and stuff like that, they're like, what are you doing? And it's like, well, actually, my kid needs to be aware of this because like when Filipinos see him, for example, they're always like, oh, my God, he's so fair. He's so white. And, you know, you're like, he isn't attractive because he's white. Yeah, that shouldn't be like a a quality even. Yeah. Yeah. He's a good looking kid. Like, I I can't knock that. (laughs) Um, And I guess it's, it's really interesting as well because it kind of triggers my own traumas because like when I was growing up, I was always told, oh, you know, you would be so pretty if only you were fair. Um, and as a little kid like one of my nicknames was Black Beauty which I'm sure people thought was a compliment Mm. but you know when you're like I'm not actually that dark I'm dark skinned for a Filipino person but I'm not Mm -hmm. actually that dark Um, and um, yeah and and like with my daughter I've spoken to her you know I've had to have the she got followed home from school Um, by this creepy guy who like followed her from the bus stop um, down our road and like having to call the police and having to you know I'm sure you remember these conversations you know like walking with your keys or like if you have perfume spray that in his eyes or if you've got change chuck that in his face yeah (gasps) yeah so we've had to have those conversations um and when it happened you know she was 11 so she was in year seven in school uniform oh my gosh so young you know so those those are the kind of conversations that we've had to have um but you know I feel like it's it's a difficult one I want my kids to be kids yeah I also need them to be aware of what's happening they have to in the world in their lives yeah um not knowing when to protect them so yeah but you yeah. know what's really amazing like my daughter when she was in year six was in the debate team um Brad. but like my daughter being my daughter wrote a 10 minute speech about trump <laughs> so you know when you're just like <gasps> my kids are freaking awesome <laughs> dropping yeah. lights yes so you can tell you can tell that you've raised your children amazingly oh thank you oh my god amazing so it's really interesting that you have a son and then a daughter and you've had these Mm -hmm. different conversations yeah um that must be an interesting perspective for you and it must give you a lot of insight for your work sort of absolutely it does yeah i think or at least socially conditioned boys and girls There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. JD Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. 
And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Yeah. And... uh... Sorry, can you hear me? Listening. Yeah, I'm back. I'm back. So sorry, it went all crunchy then. Oh, I'm so sorry. Sorry. Uh, um, so, so I've had these conversations with both the kids, but then I've also had extra conversations with my son. Yeah. Because as a man, I need him to, or as a young man, I need him to be aware of his privilege and how also his privilege can oppress other people. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really, really important. Um, I guess coming from that, sex education background has been really helpful as well um you know to to fully discuss with him you know what is consent Mm. Mm. that's quite an explicit conversation to have to have yeah yeah and also consent over your own body so like for example um a thing for us is like culturally when we go from house to house you give everyone a hug and a kiss Mm -hmm. on both cheeks and being like you know what if someone's if someone's like come and give me a hug and you don't feel like it you're allowed to say no um so yeah but i I feel like you know as we we need to battle all of these stigmas we need to break all this stigma and i feel like yeah you know what school does a really good job or or, you know they they try Mm. to teach people these things yeah Yeah. (laughs) um but if it's not at home then you know you can't reinforce those lessons if mm. you're not also having it at home. Yeah. Um, because, you know, I've had, I, I used to teach sexism workshops in mm. schools. Uh-huh. Um, and I've had guys, I say guys, they're like 12, mm-hmm. step to me, like go toe to toe, get in my face wow. and be like, I don't like what you're saying, miss. <gasps> you know, my holy book says that's not true i don't agree with you or you know my dad doesn't believe that and it's just a bit like wow we've got work to do yeah Yeah. wow that's pretty wild yeah it's it's intense yeah how how attacked someone can feel if you're essentially saying something that's intrinsically true for them yeah um you know because like their reality doesn't (laughs) Yeah, and I, I, I'm one of those people, I, I rock the boat, I try to make you think a little bit. I think it's um, important, yeah, especially kids, so, young young minds. Yeah, absolutely. So, like, for example, what I said was, like, you know, you believe, or most people believe that God is a man. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm not trying to rock the boat there. If that's what you believe, that's what you believe. Um, but please tell me in what species in the animal kingdom a man gives birth. Or the yeah. male or the species gives birth and they're all like huh? <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, then you like kind of have to you know, just throw facts at them right 
yeah especially because you know a lot of um a lot of cultures it, it's kind of been smushed out now you know our matriarchal lines yeah where the woman is the is the divine um women are the heads of the households and stuff like that and it's like actually that's changed with intention very much so the patriarchy is very intentional <laughs> yes yeah and you know talking to my son for example mm. when we are talking about toxic masculinity and, and the patriarchy so it's like teaching him it's okay to cry yeah i was gonna say for his benefit too not just to protect other people but to make yeah. sure that he can express himself in a way that he's probably made to feel like he can't yeah has he said anything like that to you has he ever ex has he experienced any anything like that and he's been able to flag it as toxic masculinity is he aware yet um absolutely oh really great <laughs> he, yeah he's absolutely you know come back and been like somebody said this and i you know it's made me feel uncomfortable like talking about how he feels unsafe in situations where he doesn't feel like he can cry or express emotion mm. um and working through that with him um especially you know if he is in what he would consider to be an unsafe place like somewhere where he can't say how he feels because the repercussions are going to be long lasting not worth it yeah yeah and so it's it's really difficult to support your kids through those kind of moments where you're just like unfortunately that situation with that person is not going to change but let's talk about what you can do outside of your relationship with that person yeah that is tough that must be tough on you as well emotionally yeah it's it's really hard when you think like people that your children should be close to or safe with isn't necessarily that because yeah. of yeah. whatever mm -hmm. usually toxic masculinity but yeah mm. <laughs> society <laughs> yeah exactly yeah that's tough because that's something that's really out of your control i suppose being a parent it, it doesn't appeal to me and i think one of the reasons is i very much wouldn't have control over my child's experience mm -hmm. And yeah. it must be a, a difficult thing to surrender and, and be like, my child will experience toxic masculinity. My child will experience yeah. racism. My child will experience these horrible things. And yeah. I'm just here to guide them and help them through those moments. Yeah. And, and that's, and that's the thing as well. Like, um, I, I will say I realized, I, I think because, you know, I had my kids when I was young mm. is realizing that you cannot shape every experience. You cannot make your child who you want them to be. Mm. You cannot control everything. Um, and it, and it, not the control aspect, but it can be really heartbreaking knowing that you can't protect them from everything and that they have to go out into the world and experience this stuff. Yeah. Which, could which potentially be yeah. Yeah, traumatic yeah that's tough how how is that experience or that kind of um or just being a parent in general helped you process your experiences as a child that shaped your life your traumas and stuff has it has it shed any light on on that for you or helped you heal in any way or um it's really interesting that you say that i would definitely it's definitely highlighted to me when i am repeating patterns oh yeah so like i will say something and be like whoa i sounded like my mom just then straight away you're like and, and being away. like i am sorry because <laughs> i don't know if this is like a filipino thing or like yeah. like my mom never said sorry mm -hmm. when I was yeah they're always up. right the adult is supremely yeah. right mm. even when 
even when she was wrong, she would she would maybe skirt around the fact that she was wrong, but she would never apologize. Oh yeah, okay, I see. Yeah, yeah. And so you know, when you're just like, if I'm ever in that situation, like being able to apologize, being able to put my hands up and go, you know what, I I I see what I'm doing is unhealthy, mm. and so I'm gonna stop. Well done. That's awesome. Um. So yeah, so that that would definitely be something, and I'm, uh, and I guess, improving or evolving does help you feel like you're healing, but it also makes you, I guess, address your childhood as mm. well. Um, and it, and I guess it goes back to what we were talking about at the beginning is is being able to do that work, like spending some time with that. Yeah, how have you went through that through therapy and, and journaling? Okay, I um. I did psychodynamic therapy oh, yeah. for a year. Um, and it just so happened that the therapist that I had um, worked with me on the concept of being a good enough parent. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's this whole movement, this whole book. And, yeah, and, you I, I know, think I've heard of it. Yeah, it sounds rad. Yeah. Um, and, and the one thing that has really stuck with me, and I tell everyone all the time when, they, when they're like telling me about their situations is, mm you do the best you can with what you have in that time and space so it's like I feel madly guilty when I was a teenage when I was a teenager you know I made mistakes I was learning I I was trying to figure out what being a parent meant and I hold a lot of guilt for that Mm. but uh, that is what 18 year old me could do at that time if it was 23 year old me or 35 year old me I'd totally deal with it differently but that's because I have all the learning that's awesome that you can realize that yeah it doesn't matter feelings of guilt just talk and be like you can you can do the self-talk and 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 say you know like could I have done better yes but that's because I know now you know now so next time I'll I'll, I'll do it I'll do better next time yeah I feel and, similarly and I'm about very therapy. honest with the kids. Sorry, go say again. No, I was just saying I feel very similarly about therapy. Oh, did you do any like concepts like that? Um, yeah, just I, I just talking through and um, unpacking things. My therapist, I, I do. My therapist is a counselor. I don't know mm-hmm. what that kind of differentiates um, between types of therapy, but I just kind of it's just a talking therapy, really. But just being able to unpack things is yep. really helpful. Mm. you know what I mean yeah absolutely Kibi talk to me about other things that are your passion in life because we've talked a lot about your job and your work but as we were saying earlier that's not all there is to life is there no it does feel like there's (laughs) you know when you're just like right now I'm being like really narrow and I'm like that that feels like all there is to it (laughs) um no it isn't um so one of the things that I'm absolutely in love with is vintage and retro clothing love so um when the shops are open when the charity shops are open I love Mm. a car boot sale I love a charity shop same um and I love trawling for treasures and um, I guess I love the fact that secondhand items and secondhand cl- clothing, it all has like a story. I can which feel, I'm the, kind I of can obsessed feel the energy from it, can't you? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I'm also madly obsessed with like jewellery. 
Oh so, yeah. Like I'm always scouring for things and I'm always picking I'm I'm a bit of a magpie. Anything Are you? like with sequins, glitter, yes. um, diamantes, I'm like, give it to me. Shiny. It's beautiful. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Literally, I'm so bad for it. Um that's awesome. So yeah, so I, I would say that that's and, and that has creaked over from it started with secondhand clothing. I would I, I was quite lucky so my mum used to work on the weekends um mm. and during the she worked nights and she so she, during the day she would be asleep um and my uncle and my cousin they would take me out for the day so that my mum could rest in oh, peace yeah. um and we would always go to like Greenwich Market, Woolwich ah, Market, awesome. we'd hit the charity shops um and my uncle would always give me five pounds because back in the day you could get a lot for that shit you could get a lot for that right in a charity you could get like three things yeah and it was always like do i get lots of little things or do i get like one big thing mm. and so what ended up happening was i would always end up getting like lots of little things but that definitely sparked my obsession with like secondhand things yeah um and so secondhand clothing bags and stuff like that has always been a love and then as I've gotten older and I now have my house it's moved over into things like um the furniture and yeah getting, like knickknacks from my house and, and stuff like that and I've managed to like pick up really random stuff so I got like a, a sketch watercolor of like a dog oh, and it was a pound in a charity shop oh I love a bargain I, I love one pound charity shops. That's yeah. a new thing. If it's just a pound coin, I'm like, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, and, like and the, the ones that are only one pound. Is that right? Yeah, like yeah, the I know whole the ones only one pound. Like, what's okay. that about? That's amazing. Um, and so I got this dog painting and it had a signature. And I was like, you know what? I, that signature is quite clear. Let mm. me Google who that is. And it, like, the print, like, if I'd have sold, if I sold it, would be worth like 200 quid really someone took that away somebody just gave it away what where was this where was the charity shop was it in like a nice area i was trying to go to charity shops in like chelsea and kensington and stuff you know what the really great charity shops are in north london oh yeah a bit more well-to-do kind of areas get you um but like there was a i think it was oxfam near my aunt's house in Chelsea mm. and I remember she got a pair of unworn DK and Y pedal pushers because pedal pushers were they were, were a thing. five. I had them um, <laughs> <laughs> for like 50p and they were brand new and DK and Y like no yeah, yeah go that, go to, to them, the that's rather just... push areas oh my gosh that's just, and that's you'll just find awesome stuff giveawayable oh my goodness it's crazy <laughs> yeah, I know <gasps> we're gonna have to go charity shop shop I can't wait to go outside again what what are your plans when the world Starts up again, Kiwi. When the world ah, oh, so yeah. Um, I recently got engaged. Oh my god! Congrats. <gasps> yeah. So, um, wedding planning is meant to be a Big whole thing. thing. Wow. Um, but my fiance actually lives in Chicago. Oh wow! Um, yeah. So I was actually meant to be in Texas right now mm. um, for a wedding that has been postponed um damn so yeah I'd, I'd quite like to see my fiance it's been oh, six months shit, girl yeah fuck when do you think that's gonna be america looks a bit scary oh, although like when I you am have not going there. as well it's yeah i know it looks yeah. like chaos pure chaos yeah and that's a, so i have like this weird question that nobody seems to know the answer to right is like if you go abroad or if you go on holiday you're meant to like self-isolate 
when you get for back. two weeks but or what happens if you only go on holiday for like a week that's what i mean that's what people have been saying like there's, there's literally no point you're not allowed to leave the resort you have to give your address and stuff like i don't want to go in a, like a pool or something and then when you come home you can't go back to work you have to take two weeks off to quarantine so yeah. you have to use three weeks of your holiday if you yeah. have like a, a if, job if your work will even let so you get yeah. away with that so there's absolutely no way imagine you're all your staff having to take three weeks holiday over the summer oh, i saw your staff gone so yeah <laughs> so yeah so, so no yeah, maybe see my no. at some point i don't know when that's going to happen or what that's going to look like maybe both of you just agree to meet up in new zealand that's kind of um accessible to both <laughs> oh, of you right i love is oh, it do they call Jacinda. them a president or is it a prime minister i think she's I a prime her. minister yeah jacinda oh my god join the fan club please we love her <gasps> We she's love her. amazing and she did it all whilst with a babe in arms like yeah like she you know she just got voted in she had a newborn babe or yeah. quite a young babe i think she gave like, birth during her term like really early a legend i know like just carried on <laughs> more women in positions of power and look please. at how their country and look at how new zealand's faring i know the population density is a lot lower but just the general the way that the world looks at New Zealand, why can't we yeah. be like that? We have the resources. Well, we have all the resources. We That's have so what, many. We, we took them all. <laughs> Britain took them all for themselves <laughs> and they still fucked it up. They were like, ha ha. <laughs> like, it's, like it's like somebody that gets a huge inheritance or not even inheritance, theft. Or they win the lottery illegally and then they spunk it all on bullshit. It's dumb. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's enraging. You so working in youth services, you must yeah. be affected by budget cuts. So you feel I'm that at really all? lucky. Oh yeah, I'm really lucky. The borough that I work for, yeah, um, the mayor has pledged to double the youth service. Amazing. That's what we need over the course of their term. Great. Um, but I have worked in boroughs um, where youth services have been like completely scrapped and then you see things like drug use or um crime rates or whatever shoot up mm. but then you're i'm a bit like if you've got nothing for young people to do they are gonna find ways to amuse themselves that's literally exactly it's been scientifically proven i think there was a a study um it was done on rats very sad unfortunate do not condone animal testing but mm. they were they were rats in an empty pen and they were given water, uh, a normal water, and a water that was infused with cocaine, which is obviously addictive. Yeah. And then they had rats in another pen, which had loads of stimulus things for them to play with and friends and stuff. And they gave them a normal water and a cocaine water. In the empty pen, with nothing to do, the yeah. rats immediately became hooked on the cocaine water. So they were bored shitless. But in the normal yeah. pen, where they had interaction and stimulus, they actually didn't touch the cocaine water at all. Love that. I know. It's like I was like, well, there you fucking go. What what do you expect people to do in communities that are deliberately defunded or underfunded or deliberately everything like, as well. ugh, strangled? Yeah, and then gentrified as well at top. Yeah, I, th I it's it's definitely one of my passions. I think that there need to be positive activities for young people so much on their doorstep. Mm. Um, you know, because traveling. I mean, I don't know what it's like in, in other parts, but in London, you know, you can't go from one postcode to the other. So there needs to be things on your doorstep for you yeah. to do that. It should positive. be the way it is. Community. Yeah. Like we were saying right in the beginning, right? Community is such and, an important thing. And that's a huge thing. thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and, you know, like I said to you, my mom came here and we didn't have any family here. So like my friends are the family I've chosen. Yeah. And, and it's very similarly for 
young people, their friends are their family, you know, mm-hmm. because of all the hormone changes and all that fun stuff that happen when Absolutely. you're a teenager. Absolutely, you bond very There should be things you? for yeah. them to do. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that really annoys me that youth services, charities, they're being shut down, funded less and less. And it's like, they're superstars because you know they will work on a shoestring budget and make mm-hmm. things happen but it shouldn't have to be it, yeah. like that mm-hmm. because children are going to grow up to be adults guys like come They're on literally the next generation like why would you deliberately underfund the next generation of humanity if i thought that was the only purpose to be alive is to continue our race our human race right is that not yeah. like so why i don't understand it why people are doing the pulling sense. up of the ladder after them it's such a bizarre well, thing to me I think what's, I think politically, um, you know, they're they're doing things that make their voting stream happy. Yeah. And I guess we kind of historically know that the voters are older mm-hmm. for certain, you know, constituencies and, and certain politicians. Yeah. So they're doing things to make those people happy. But like uh, in our current... <laughs> I want to call it a regime. Um, <laughs> oh, it is though. <laughs> awkward. Um, so, like, but it is. It's like this current, you know, our current political landscape doesn't help anybody. Well, literally, shift, except you shift. know that one percent. Yeah, literally, Boris maybe, and even not then. <laughs> it's it's really interesting that people vote against their self interests. They really do, uh, and and their their children as well, etc. I, I find it it must such a fascinating complex yeah. for people to do that to to uh, there's plenty of metaphors i think but like people voting for their own demise yeah i remember like sitting on the bus um after the brexit vote had come in uh, i literally woke up my mum told me i started crying me too um and i was on the bus on the way to a school so i was sitting with all these school kids yeah. and listening to them be like why did these people get to vote for brexit when brexit doesn't really affect them anyway it so affects true. us and it's just like these young people are really cognizant of what's going on around them yeah. but they're also really aware of the fact that people are voting against their best interests which so again much. makes them angry um, and damn right it should i was i was about to ask you how how does your or your interaction with young people and voting like are, are they because people are always saying in the media or at least our, our british right-wing old middle-class media is saying that young people are not engaging with politics or they feel disenfranchised by it therefore they're not engaging but what what are they genuinely feeling about it from your experience i definitely get the vibe that young people are feeling disenfranchised yeah like you know they know that these things are not for them um, they know that they're impacted negatively. Um, but that's why movements like Grime for Corbyn was so huge, mm. is, you know, these young people are political. If they're disenfranchised, why are we not doing something about that disenfranchisement as opposed to continuing on the way that we're continuing? Like, I really hope moving forward that we, we don't have this weird two-party system that isn't called a two-party system, but it, it really is. It literally is, yeah. You know, I'd really love to see political parties, you know, having more to say about young people, having more to say about, you know, the vast majority, the masses, um, and people voting for them, not thinking, you know, we need to vote strategically, because I think mm. if we put our votes where they're meant to go, then 
fingers crossed we end up with something we do <laughs> we want yeah and even the system is rigged in a way where it's difficult for that isn't it yeah mm, how so as a mother how yes. would you advise people to have these kinds of conversations with their kids because i'm sure you have great conversations with your kids about it but i think it's, it's important <sighs> because like we don't get taught how politics works in school i didn't know how the political system works i didn't know what first yeah. past the post was absolutely so how how can people engage with their kids about this i would say create a space yeah create a safe space um first and state it so um there's this big thing that we do in in youth work and, and we call it stating your intention mm. um so you know saying like I'd really like to talk to you about this. I want to create a space for us to talk about this. Um, you know, when can we do it? Or do you have time now? Um, and then kind of, I guess, saying what you'd like to get out of that conversation, but also hearing from your young person, your child, what they would like to get out of the conversation. Because if, you're, if your child says to you, like, I'd really like for this to be over, yeah then that is not the best time to have that conversation <laughs> clearly you're not going to get through to them yeah yeah that, that's not the moment um and then i guess being really clear planning mm. what you're going to say or what you you'd like to discuss uh keeping it age appropriate mm. um because i've had like some really hard-hitting conversations with my kids from when they were young mm. um but that's because i built on it it was building blocks that's how it should um, be yeah yeah so keep it simple keep it clear and be honest like no one's expecting you to have the answer to everything i do it with my students all the time i say it to my children all the time it's like i don't actually know the answer to that question either let's google it together or you go google it and tell me what you learned or i, I will that. google it and i will tell you what i've learned and then you can have like a knowledge exchange yeah that's awesome. Um, I love that too. And also leave room for their opinions. You know, let them feel and let them be as necessary in that moment. Yeah. Because if you're having a conversation about racism, for example, you know, it's an upsetting conversation. If they, you know, like don't expect them to stop crying really quick or, or whatever, like leave room. For them to, yeah, express themselves. Yeah. And don't yeah. rush. So if you're having mm. this conversation and you know you've only got 10 minutes for this conversation, maybe don't have it now. Yeah, yeah, that's right. now is not the time. Hold yeah. space. Yeah, absolutely, hold space. And, and that is, it's one of those things is that your children, your young people will really appreciate that because they need to feel safe and secure mm. in order to be honest. And if you're honest with them, then they'll be honest with you. Yeah, yeah, that's so true. They, you, they can sense it. People don't give kids enough credit for their intuition. Absolutely. Mm. Did you feel heard as a child? Not even just by your parents, but by any authority figures oh, on things like this? Not at all. No. Not at all. No. Um, I, would, I would definitely say like culturally as well, it was like children are seen and not heard. Really? As wow. well. Like mm. in a space, you need to be really respectful to the elders. You're not allowed to answer back. You're not allowed to, um, you know, you're not allowed to disagree. Yeah you know, just sit in the corner, look pretty in your nice dress and, and, and just stay quiet. And it's really funny because I've taught my children to not be like that. And then when really? they like that, I'm like, you should respect me. And I'm like, wait, hold on. Hold <laughs> I'm doing on. it again. I'm doing it again. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, it's just, it's that really weird, like sort of what you've been trained to think of how to act and, and React. what you would like it to, 
what you would actually like it to be and and I have to train myself as well yeah yeah it's it's hard I mean it's work it's self-work as well at the same time everyone's every day is a school day right yeah absolutely and what are your what are your like emotions when you have these conversations because they must be like everybody expects parents I think to be fine after everything and it can be quite taxing on you as well Mm, so um so remember how I told you at like the beginning of our conversation that I, I made this kind of decision to mm. be like really honest yeah. um, with myself and with other people. And um, I think when you are, when you are honest all the time, you are leaving room for yourself to be vulnerable. Mm-hmm. So you're always kind of in this vulnerable state because you know, you're wearing your heart on your sleeve. Yeah. Um, But it would be really disingenuous of me if I didn't do that with my young people, with my, with my children as well, Mm. my children first and foremost. So um, like, for example, when I was explaining, you know, my mental health condition and explaining mental health in general, Mm. um, you know, that was really vulnerable. I had a little cry. Um, But then I also said to them, you know, like sometimes I get sad, when they were very young, they were like, what does this mean? And, you know, like sometimes I get sad and I can't pull myself out of it, but there mm-hmm. are other times when I won't be like this. Um, my brain has just gone completely blank. Oh <laughs> it's because it's, cause it's, I guess it's such a difficult thing. You, you having the way you feel when you have these difficult conversations with your children mm-hmm. about your mental health, about um, toxic masculinity, like your yep. emotions and stuff like that. How, how do they, how do, how do they, manifest in you trying to think of like the best the best way to answer that yeah I guess it's coming from a place of of vulnerability and being honest about that vulnerability yeah Um, and that's really the best advice I can give you because children are amazingly resilient yeah and perceptive, I was going to say. Yeah, they, they really, they, they get know. it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they might not see it in exactly the same way that you do, but, you know, trust that they can handle it if you keep it age appropriate. Yeah. Like, and, and the one thing I'll say is my children are amazing humans. Um, of course they are. They've got you for a mama. thank you but the the thing is if you never speak to them about these kind of things yeah um you know they don't have an opportunity to to break those barriers like you're breaking those barriers by having those conversations with them yeah statistics show that children who have parents with a mental health issue Mm. do better when their parents are honest and tell them about it really yeah i think that's Um, really important yeah um and um you'd be surprised because empathy is a learned skill Mm. definitely learn to harness it aren't you yeah yeah and so like the more you talk to them about things about your own feelings you know first they mirror Mm. and then they understand for themselves yeah 
a lot of kids don't have that. I think when they're young, don't they? They don't have the examples of healthy. Emo- I think that must be a toxic masculinity thing. They don't have healthy examples. Like I never saw my mom cry when I was young, but Same. recently, recently when I as an older person, she she told me that she would sometimes just take herself away and sit in her little um, ensuite and just have a cry when I was a kid. And now I'm like, oh, mom, yeah. I'm so sad about that. Like, and and I I'm not a really cry person. I don't know, I don't, I don't cry in front of people. Mm-hmm. And it definitely stems from from my childhood, I think. Yeah. So it's really important. Uh, and I don't know if you ever feel like this, is um, when you're trying not to let those emotions show, mm. you end up being quite, like, snappy. Yeah, it changes my personality. Like, I should totally be crying right now, but actually I just seem, like, angry and kind of aggressive to everyone. That's it. Um, I, you shut off your happiness and then you just become kind of, like, a default meanie. <laughs> yeah 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 no I I, I'm a very push I push people away I definitely think I do that and whilst me and my mom have a better relationship now it was prevalent as a kid and I and it and my therapist as we were talking about therapy earlier really recommended I reconnect with her so I think it's it's Mm -hmm. so important to have a good relationship with your parents if you can obviously yeah Yeah. uh it it can be difficult if if there's like some big on unresolved things between yeah. you but if, if you have that space if you have that opportunity um it can be really healing mm. and I don't know how many people know this but like if you are in talking therapies especially like with the NHS and stuff like that is mm. if you find that your issues stem from like a parent or whatever you can invite them into that space if you talk about it with your therapist yeah that can happen and it often feels a lot safer to have those conversations when you have someone to mediate so much i think especially in families when you're so close and especially with the parent-child dynamic you mm-hmm. can easily be steamrolled or you can be just seen in a way as that you're the child and, the, and they're the parent mm. and that, that power dynamic really kind of throws can throw a conversation like that off so i, I so recommend i haven't actually brought my mom in but i've talked about her so much and I've considered mm. bringing my mum to therapy. I think she needs therapy as well, but that's a whole other thing. <laughs> well, that's the thing. I am really big on therapy being something preemptive. I think everyone should be in therapy. So much. Everyone's had stuff that at least needs unpacking a little bit because we're all born to other people with their own numbers of trauma. It's yeah, gen- and it's generational. It's proven to be passed down through our genes and stuff now as well. So yeah. And unfortunately, you know, you could have the most perfect parents, but you still have to go to school. You still have to interact with other people. Like all of us have trauma from somewhere. Somewhere. So it's like, I think everyone should be in therapy all the time. I think it's absolutely great. I agree. Can we prescribe everybody just therapy right now? Everybody listening, go and get therapy, please. (laughs) Yes. Even if you think you have nothing to talk about. I promise you, once you start talking, oh, you'll start talking. I went to therapy therapy expecting to be there for like three months. And then I was in there for a year and a half. And then I took a break and now I'm back in therapy and I'm happy about it. And I think it's awesome. And I think we need to, yeah, more people need to be fine about that, right? Absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. And even just having that space to talk. Mm you know, is, is absolutely amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, do you, do you have weekly therapy then? Um, so I'm not in therapy at the moment. Um, I am 
waiting on a wait I'm on a waiting list right got my English I'm on a waiting list list. (laughs) Um, to do um have you heard of EMDR EMDR I've heard of it I don't know what it is but I've heard of it recently but it's like a newer type of therapy isn't it yeah so it's tell me about it um rapid eye movement (gasps) so uh, they get you to look at certain points while you're talking about uh, this is what I understand it to be. I might be wrong. They get you to look at certain points in the room or on a finger or, or something like that yeah. while you're addressing trauma to sort of reprogram in your brain it's how kind you of react and respond wow. to trauma. Mimics like a dream state or something. Yeah, I've heard <laughs> really good things. That sounds amazing. And I want to give it a go. That sounds really amazing. Yeah, absolutely. Let me know how that goes. The waiting list, oh, must, well. be, the waiting list must be as long as my own though. Well, it's one of those it's one of those things like I, I kept going to the GP and the GP hadn't heard of it and I was just like Please, how do I find this me. thing <laughs> yeah how do so, I access yeah. this I think that's a that's a big hurdle for a lot of people with mental health isn't it accessing yeah. the services and going in and asking for what they know they need absolutely I think like I was diagnosed by the GP with like manic depression mm. in my maybe when I was about 20 yeah um and it's like pushing to see someone pushing to get diagnosed like that all takes strength someone with depression doesn't have at that moment right like I'm white knuckling it crazy mood disorder and you want me to also be ringing you every day like yeah like fighting with your GP to like yeah referred somewhere being like you're wrong even though you're supposedly more knowledgeable you're wrong and I know me yeah it's, it takes a lot of strength and I think, again, authenticity to yourself to stand your ground and be like, I know this about myself yeah, and I know I need absolutely. this. Mm. Yubi, I feel, like I, I feel like we're quite similar. I'm quite, quite similar people. Uh, we've got our rebellious oh, streak. We've got our stand our ground streak. Yubi, thank yeah. you so much for talking to me today. I've had a really lovely conversation. Thank you very much. <laughs> what are you thank planning you for, for the rest of your day? Of course. I'm so sorry it took me so long to set this up this i've had a three-week gap from conversation now it's been um it's been a wild time <laughs> oh but i love listening to them and i love that you do, do you? this it's so amazing oh i'm so so pleased that you do thank you so much so yeah what are you doing with your evening just a nice chill my mom has cooked some food and i can Ooh. smell it mm. <laughs> and i'm just like mm. i think for anyone who knows filipino food it's called a dobo it's amazing. amazing. If you can try it somewhere, it's like basically, well, it's usually meat that's braised in like soy sauce. Oh, that sounds nice. Serious thing. That's everything I want in life, just salty goodness. <laughs> yes. Oh, thank you so much, Huey. Where can we find you on the internet? Okay, so I am on Instagram. Find me at callmeqb, uh, C A L L M E. K-Y-U-B-I-I. I don't know why I found that so hard. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's really, when really you start hard. reading out, you get lost in the middle, don't you? Because you never actually like really read your handle out. I mean, yeah. I do, just in my job, I've kind of got like, I have to have like a little jingle. <laughs> yes. No, I do like the way you say it. You have It's like a phone number, isn't it? You know, you remember it in like chunks. So, yeah, I'm currently on a bit of a social media hiatus type thing. I've archived loads of stuff. I'm thinking about updating it and making it 
you know a bit more fancy and new and impressive to look at because i've seen some really amazing ones um and you can find me on suicide girls at this on the same handle yes sg amazing queen thank you so much i hope you you enjoy your delicious delicious mum cooked food (laughs) i wish i had someone to cook me food i've been self-isolating on my own it's been boring as hell i know i've got my cat he actually hasn't made an appearance in this episode for the first time ever (gasps) you'll have to come and meet him i'm gonna have a lovely garden place at some point in the future of the earth i don't know when if we get lucky, some sort of end of summer barbecue right, type time. Right, maybe end of summer. Who knows? Oh, well, I'll let you go and uh, enjoy your evening, Queen. Thank you so much. You've been a Have dream. A good one. Thank you. Have a Love good evening, you, my girl. lovely. Thank you. See ya. Bye.